Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. In today's chapter, Exodus chapter 8, we see the second, third, and fourth plagues. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says Yahweh, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed, and into the houses of your servants, and your people, and into your ovens, and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you, and on your people, and on all your servants. And Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with Yahweh to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow. Moses said, Be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like Yahweh our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to Yahweh about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And Yahweh did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as Yahweh had said. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as Yahweh had said. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says Yahweh, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am Yahweh in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And Yahweh did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into the servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said it would not be right to do so, for the offerings we shall sacrifice to Yahweh our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to Yahweh our God as he tells us. 
So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness, only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with Yahweh that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by, letting, by not letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh, and Yahweh did as Moses asked, and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. This is the word of the Lord. There's a similarity that runs through this chapter, through these three different plagues that we see here. The, the primary similarity is really that they, they are a, an overwhelming. They fill. They fill the land of Egypt. They fill the home. And when you picture these plagues, as you read this chapter together, actually try to picture it. I mean, here you have so many frogs. You can't lay down in your bed without laying on a bunch of frogs. You can't take a step, even in your own house, without squishing a frog underneath your foot. Or gnats, or flies. I mean, they're, they, they covered you. That's the picture that we're supposed to see here of just how, how deeply impactful these plagues would have been these miracles, these wonders that God has called them himself. So we get second, third, and fourth plague in the text today. God has again instructed Pharaoh to let his people go, the start of the chapter. But if you refuse, punishment comes, uh, this time with the frogs first. The Nile will swarm with frogs. So this is important. I mentioned yesterday the idea that the, the plagues are striking at the heart of the idols of Egypt. So they're, they're false gods that they have, and they have a, a false god for, for the Nile River. In many ways, the Nile River was like a god to the people. It was the source of life. So it is not, we shouldn't miss here the idea that these first two plagues, the blood yesterday and now the frogs today, are striking that idea that God is striking against the, the source of life of the Nile for Egyptian culture. God is striking it down. And he's doing so soundly. Death is coming from the Nile instead of life. Now, we can talk then to our children about the connection between water and life and see what they can think of. How does water give us life? And now, you might think in worldly terms, it might be the first place that, that your conversation goes. And, you know, the body needs water. Our bodies are 70% water. Uh, we, we need water to survive. It's good to drink water, those kinds of things. But it's more than that as well. In John chapter 4, Jesus talks about a living water that he would give to the woman um, at the well. And that is a reference to the, the salvation that he has for us. It is also connected to our baptism as the living water is poured out upon us uh, and, and the faith is created in us by the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so some good connections that we can make. That water is indeed life-giving, but it's life-giving because God makes it that way. And we can't separate that. Verse 3 and 4, you see the word and. 
eight times. And it's just kind of stressing just how prevalent these frogs were on this and this and this and this and this. And then verse seven, unfortunately, the magicians are able to duplicate this thing as well. I'm not sure why they would have wanted to if there were already so many frogs. Why did they make more? But they did. So the secret arts of the magicians continue in the second plague. Now, what's changed, what's different is verse eight, as as Pharaoh seems to crack, right? Plead with Yahweh to take away the frogs. He actually calls God by his name. He admits that he exists. Again, the, the divine name Yahweh means he is. So Pharaoh speaking that name and telling Moses to go pray to him, well, that's still a weakness. Pharaoh could speak to God himself in prayer, but he doesn't. I mean, this is something. This is not, this isn't something we should just ignore. This is a moment in the book, certainly. And Pharaoh says, I will let the people go. Moses then asks, when? When do you want me to pray? When do you want the frogs gone? So Moses allows Pharaoh to pick the time. Basically, ask for a sign of God, and God will prove it to you, that it, that it is he who has done this. And Pharaoh's request is weak. He says, tomorrow. Why not right now? Do it now. <laughs> you know, I, I want these things gone. By saying tomorrow, it it weakens the miracle in the sense that it allows Pharaoh to think, oh, maybe the frogs just left on their own or something of that kind. But it's a miracle nonetheless, and all the frogs are going to be killed, struck down by God, except for the ones that are in the Nile. Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know there is no one like Yahweh our God. Again, chapter 7, verse 5. What is the point of the plagues? We see this again and again as we go through the these next few chapters. Moses cries out in prayer to the Lord. Yahweh listens, does what Moses asks. The frogs die, and they have to gather them into heaps. This is the second time now in two plagues that the land stinks because of the plague. But Pharaoh, seeing, seeing the break from it all, hardens his heart, doesn't let them go. So it's not just God's doing. We have seen God say that it would be his doing to harden Pharaoh's heart. But Pharaoh is guilty of this as well. I mean, Pharaoh is not innocent in this matter. He has rebelled against the Lord himself. And he continues to do so even now, even here. The third plague does not get a warning. Moses doesn't come to Pharaoh first. This one just happens. It comes likely then against Pharaoh's unfaithfulness for breaking his own word. And you could talk about how much dust there is if you wanted to in the world. Now, all the dust in Egypt turned into gnats. Can you imagine if all the dust in your house turned into gnats? How terrible that would be? There's, you know, I'm, I'm bad at keeping up on that part of housework, so there's, there's a lot of dust in my home. That would be bad. And that's nothing compared to the dust that was in the land of Egypt. So this is, this is intense as the, the gnats are on man and beast, verse 17. Magicians here try to reproduce the plague, but they can't. There's a shift. With the third plague, the, the magicians' secret arts, their dark powers, are no longer able to match the work of God. It's important to notice. 
they can't do it anymore. The devil's power is not as strong as God's power. That's a crucial theme for us as Christians, right? It's good to know that the devil is weaker than God, that God has defeated him already by his death on the cross and his resurrection on Easter morning. The magicians, after seeing that that was the case, declare this is the finger of God. They admit to Pharaoh, they admit to their king that God, Yahweh, is God, that he is doing this. And again, 7-5 is working here. The purpose of God for this plague is happening. But Pharaoh hardens his heart again. The fourth plague, this is now the second time Moses has gone out to Pharaoh in the morning at the water, presumably here, again, the Nile River. The command is given once again, let the people go. Otherwise, there will be swarms of flies. Also on the ground on which they stand. The new thing with the fourth plague is the, the separation. God is drawing a distinction now between Egypt and Israel. The plagues will be seen in Egypt, but they will not be seen where God's people live. So the Israelites live in Goshen, which is right outside of Egypt, really on the, on the eastern side. Um, that was Joseph's instruction when the Israelites first moved down to live by Egypt, that they not actually live in Egypt proper because they were shepherds and the Egyptians hate sheep and shepherds. So there is going to be almost a bubble of refuge, if you want to say it that way, that the people can have, that those who are in this land of Goshen are safe from the plagues that strike everyone else. That would bring you to the question, and you can ask your children this, how would a regular Egyptian person, how would they take all of this? How would they respond if they saw this happen? If you saw your house was hit by this plague, but the Israelites' homes weren't hit by this plague, what might you do? This again pushes towards 7-5, the purpose of the plagues, which is what Moses then says uh, for us here in verse 22, that you may know that I am Yahweh. That's the reason for the division between God's people and the Egyptians' people. The swarm of flies devastates the land. Verse 24 there. Pharaoh once again calls upon Moses and Aaron, tells them to sacrifice to God. He's going to let the people go, however, only within the land. So not leave. You have to stay here in Egypt to do this thing. Moses uses logic. It's not the first time we've seen him try and use logic with Pharaoh. The other time didn't work either. Uh, will they not stone us? Because our, our offerings are an abomination to them. So Pharaoh listens to this a little bit and says, I will let you go into the wilderness, but you must not go far. So not the three-day journey that has been requested by God himself. Moses agrees that he'll plead to God for Pharaoh, but warns him, let not Pharaoh cheat again by, by not letting the people go. So Moses prays, Yahweh answers, the swarms of flies are gone. But again, Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Verse 